Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Today's DT is in Amos. So the context is that Amos is warning Israel that the fall of Israel is coming. That is the northern kingdom. In verse 1, we read, Hear the word that I take up over you in lamentation. Now, this is a lament not over the people of Israel, but against them for their moral decline, their selfishness, and ultimately their rejection of God. In verse 2, we read, Fallen no more to rise is the virgin Israel forsaken on her land with none to raise her up. So this lament begins with this prophetic picture of Israel having fallen never to rise. Now, this is a prophecy of what was to come when the Assyrians would conquer Israel in 722 BC and God's people would be exiled from their homeland and other foreign peoples would be brought into Israel where they would eventually intermarry, one consequence of course being the Samaritans. And so historically this came to pass. Israel would never rise again. Such was the permanence of their judgment and only a small remnant would survive. Now this was a consequence of centuries of disobedience. In fact, in its entire history we read not a single positive evaluation of its kings always ending in they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so ultimately they were judged for having rejected God, its prophets, and ignoring the people who were needy, betraying God's vision that they would be a light to the nations. Now this is a message of judgment. However, as Amos is saying this, the judgment had not happened yet. There was still time for them to repent. So ultimately this is a message of hope and grace. God gives them space to still decide to reverse course. God wants them to repent and live. And this is the space that we live in always. No matter how far we have gone, how we have rejected him, we have the space to repent and return to him. Verse 4 says, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Um, and why wouldn't you respond to such an invitation? This is, after all, the basic gospel message. Seek God and live. Receive eternal life. Um, on the surface, it seems like a platitude to which we say amen, but it is actually a pretty hard message to ultimately receive. Seeking Him is self-evolving and intense. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. It's not a casual response, but rather it stems from a self-awareness of your spiritual condition. And so for Israel, for them to seek God and live, they had to recognize all the ways they had ignored the poor and overlooked the needy um, while continuing their temple sacrifice. Amos 5.5 5, But do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgah or cross over to Beersheba. Um, for Gilgah shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Um, these locations were significant historical places in Israelite history. Bethel is where Abraham sacrificed and called upon the Lord. Beersheba is also where Abraham called upon the Lord and where the Lord appeared to Isaac and to Jacob. Beersheba is in the far south of Judah, and people went on pilgrimages there um, as these places became like shrines. And God is saying, hey, don't seek me in those places and engage in religious practices, but seek me. Um, and so this is just a real call to personally relate with God, not in religious practices or some pilgrimage, but to seek God in truth and spirit. So the people of Amos' day were going to the temple and offering the sacrifices and going through the religious motions. So God had to rebuke them to jar them out of their self-deception. Amos 5.21 says, I hate, despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. So the problem was not necessarily in the offerings itself or the ritual, but it was just that they were merely engaging in it without proper regard for God. They were finding their security in other sources. They were getting uh, wealthy illegitimately um, off the poor and the weak, and they found consolation in the houses and the land. 
Verse 10, it says, They hate him who reproves, reproves in the gate and abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. The people who were at the gate were usually the officials, the nobles and judges. And so as we read, they abhor him who speaks the truth. So this means the influential people, the leaders, the privileged cl class, they were not interested in the truth. And this probably meant that the culture of the people as a whole must have resisted, resisted truth, um, which meant they violated God's law. And we, we see this um, because in verse 11, they trampled on the poor, um, advantaging themselves by exacting unjust taxes of grain and through it building luxurious houses made of stone. In verse 12, they even took bribes at the gate from the needy, most likely meaning that they were taking money from other wealthy people to avoid consequences of their crimes. And they were doing all of this while worshiping and seeing, singing praises to God. No wonder, God says in verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. In verse 9, it says, those who resist destruction will come upon them. Uh, God is uh, ultimately going to be our judge. In verse 18, Woe to you who de desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. So what was the day of the Lord? coming? It's the coming final judgment. But they misunderstood the nature of the day of the Lord. With a false confidence, they assumed that the Lord was on their side and was it established them at his coming. Now this is an insight into the popular view of the day of the Lord. Evidently, the people of Amos' time viewed the day of the Lord only as a time when he vindicates his people and punishes evildoers. Since many of the people of Amos' day believed themselves exempt from God's wrath because they thought they were righteous, they apparently saw this time of divine intervention as a time of hope and deliverance. But Amos corrects their theology. It is darkness and not light, he says, for all those who lived without regard to God, disobedient to his commands. So wanted to encourage us to become aware of not only the spiritual stakes, but the time that, that we are living in. I couldn't help but think that the period that characterized Amos's day is not unlike our day. People living in luxury and comfort, finding security and wealth, and selfishly advantaging themselves while ignoring the physical and spiritual needs of others. And this is from those who profess to follow God. In verse 15, we read, Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. So this is the hopeful note of Amos. If we repent, hate evil, love good, go back to God, and recognize him as the one true God and obey his commands, then we will live by his grace. A righteous God must judge a sinful people in a sinful world, but his love is more powerful than death, and we see that love demonstrated on the cross. So let's thank him for what he did, and let's commit to bringing others to the saving knowledge of the gospel once again. So that's it, and see you next time. Have a good day, everyone.